Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. We're all property people running our own businesses, and this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. Now, I didn't get very confused and intro myself twice in that introduction. We are, in fact, joined by another Simon, which is brilliant because uh, it's obviously an excellent name. So I'm, I'm sure this is going to be an excellent conversation with, with two Simons in. Simon is joining us as a, a mortgage broker and mortgage expert. And I think I'm just going to hand straight over to, to you, Simon, to, to tell us, first of all, the big news from the Bank of England last week. Yes, good morning. With the Bank of England rates going up yet again last week, which was kind of expected, we have seen a, quite a push in the market again, or inquiries have jump, jumped up because people are obviously concerned, concerned that rates are going to up, concerned that lenders are going to be pushing rates up again. They're withdrawing rates, lenders, very quickly with very little notice. So... Um, Concern is there, obviously, moving forward. Portfolio landlords are then concerned with cash flow moving forward over the months, the coming years, because one thing we can pretty much be certain about is the rates are not going to come back down again. And you just reminded me of a topic that Simon and I talked about recently. And one of them was the speed at which some products are getting removed. And anecdotally, we've seen a few people coming towards the end of, you know, a completion on a on a purchase where mortgage products have been removed and we we felt primarily because of the rate changes and you and I spoke off record Simon G about that and is, is that is that something you've seen quite often in the last few months yeah I mean there's there is a, a, a sort of a, a little bit of confusion in the marketplace that when products are withdrawn from the market and you have a mortgage offer or you have an op- uh, an application in place Pretty much all lenders, uh, I would put that sort of caveat across across the board. If you have an application in place, you've you've booked that rate, so you're 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 good for that rate, unless something drastic changes within that application. That that's secured up until that point. So rate withdrawals are only really a concern if you're if for clients who are thinking about it. You're not sure. You're not looking. You're not quite sure what rate you're looking at. You haven't found a property yet. You haven't put an application in. The problem is, is yes, the lenders are giving very little warning. It's most of the time, I would say, it's it's probably 24 hours. And by that time, it's very difficult from our side of the fence to then notify everybody who's just made an inquiry, possibly, saying, well, I'm looking around, I'm looking at rates. You've given them quotes to go out and have a look to then get those applications in because just sheer numbers and clients and then not, you know, it's not publicized to the marketplace. It's generally publicized to us that weights are being withdrawn, but you can secure them. I mean, you know, that it, by putting an application in, I mean, there are ways and you, you, we can get around it as much as we possibly can. And we try and help people to do that. So, so I guess what I'm thinking is then maybe banks would typically be a little bit more flexible if a mortgage offer's expired, for example, so you know, I don't know what a typical time period is, but let's say it's ninety days. That'd be normal, yeah. That they might be more flexible if if you're purchasing a property, say, so, okay, yeah, if, if you know, if we all know conveyancing can take forever and then extend it. Whereas maybe now they're not being as flexible because they know their rates have got to change. So if a 
if a, an offer has expired, they're not going to stick to that anymore. They're going to say, naturally, we've got a new rate or a new product. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a sort of there isn't a standardized system with lenders as with regard to extending offers, which is certainly annoying from our side um, because you you touched on uh, offers expiring. Offers would normally expire. You're quite right, Stuart. In in three months, some will go to six months, rarely, but some will. So you have to get these things completed in that amount of time. Now, and that normally would be in a normal, you know, pre-COVID days, that was very, very rarely an issue unless the chain broke down a couple of times. But we're noticing that going on and on now. And these things, you know, purchases are standardized, taking four or five months, which is completely different to pre-COVID. So we're constantly going back to lenders and getting offers extended. And some, some will. Some will only go extend for a couple of weeks. Some are are great and we'll we'll then put another month two months on on the offer it's something i would say to people if if you are looking it's 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 on your to-do list when you're looking at mortgage lenders when you're speaking to your broker or you're speaking to the bank or whoever you're applying on your behalf have that as a as a a tick box to to ask the question it's not just rate hugely at the moment it's service because that's dropped off massively, but it's right. Okay, well, if if this purchase does drag on, can I can I get this offer extended? And more importantly, can I keep the product? Because as we're seeing at the moment, fixed rates are, are increasing, and that can you know that can change someone's cash flow hugely. I had one just recently which has dragged on, and it's gone up just under one percent in a couple of months. On a particular product, you know, it's, it was quite a specialist. It wasn't residential, so you know, it's a different, quite a, a little bit of different market. But you know, that that then has a huge effect on cash flow. So you've got to. It's something you now people have to be aware of, and it's definitely a question you should ask. You mentioned in there, service levels have been a bit of a problem of late. What, what do you mean by that? Can you expand a bit? Yes, it's. Uh, it's a nemesis at the moment. Service levels, both from a lender point of view and on the solicitor side. So a for example, and, and this is pretty much across the board. There are a couple of high, let's say high street lenders, as, as we would all know, who are OK at the moment. And they're picking things up a little bit slower than they were, uh, let's say, pre-COVID times. It's easier sort of timescale to 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 sort of compare to where they would normally you would expect to put an application in within the week you would expect it to be underwritten and looked at requesting your documentation to to be sent in by the broker and then out to valuation within a a week or so that's very sort of general but that's a, a, a good guide at the moment some of the high street lenders are taking three to four weeks just to pick up that application so if that's a sometimes with something like a remortgage it's not as important but with a purchase if you are if you're in a chain and you have that sort of service levels or you're expecting that sort of service levels you know the chains can break down very very easily and that's why i sort of touched on earlier that's why we're seeing i would pretty much historically I would, i'd pretty much put my house on the fact that nearly every purchase takes 12 weeks it's just 
it, it's amazing how that happens in my 20 plus years of doing this it's pretty much standard i mean some if it's a very small chain a couple of solicitors dealing with it you can you can get it in eight to ten if you really push but realistically if everybody looks back it's 12 weeks now that is being pushed back at least another four to six weeks and that's down to first of all lenders are painfully slow and some of them some of them obviously worse than others but then it then goes over to solicitors um, solicit some of the solicitors uh, and they have been uh, they would say be careful here but they've been using still using the excuse as it were that they're working from home well my opinion is they're all working from home we've all been working from home we've all changed how we work and we have done for two years surely you've adapted by now i don't quite get that if it's volume well don't my opinion is there don't take the work on you know that you've got to make you've got to make people aware because certainly as you guys know when you're buying a property even for for an investment or for residential i do find residential is that people are a little bit more emotionally involved but even for investment purposes because you're looking you're looking at the bigger picture it's a business so therefore you want that to go through as quickly as possible and if you know there's a lender again is as i go back it's something else you've got to ask the solicitor what are your service levels like how quickly can you come back to me and a lot of the people unfortunately a lot of people will use what i would then compare a, a, a solicitor sweatshop in that their conveyances they have they work on volume and they get these things through as quickly as possible and if they've taken on too much work you will sit in a pile and you won't have any direct access to people not all of them you know don't don't you know that's not everyone and some if you pay for it you will get the service clearly but check them ask the question you've got to ask the question of your solicitor are you got, will i have access will i have an email will i have a phone number will i will, is that phone number not a direct line into you is it will i get a a case handler i can talk to on a daily basis and not wait a week or two to come back to me and that which is key and some of the even worse for people is uh it sounds like doom and gloom but even worse is the fees free solicitors offered by lenders mainly by the again i say high street so you most people will know what the high street lenders are and they've obviously created a deal with these these solicitors to say right we'll give you x amount of business and you're you know you will do this on behalf of our clients for next to nothing i would imagine and you get that type of service. And I've had a couple of cases recently, which have, have gone on very standard remortgages, which have gone on five or six months. So then for us, we are then looking for offer extensions. They're then not extended, they won't extend the product. And it's not down to the client. The client said, well, I've sent everything in. So you've got to make sure the fees through it free, legal service provided by some of the lenders ask questions it's not it's not all what it may seem um at the moment and it may be so quite a lot, lot of these lenders will instead of giving you freeze free will give you a cash back now again not used very often historically but now it's i would suggest you look at that option because and then you have a choice of going out to other conveyances who nine times out of ten these are very simple 
So we'll do it very cheaply, but you will be able to get the service because why risk the, why risk losing the product in a market where rates are going up all the time? I think I agree completely with you. We've all been working from home for a long time now, and you you can't use that as a good excuse. And there were there was a lot of transactions going on in the the property world while stamp duty holidays were were, were a thing. Yeah, at the crunch points at the end, and then for a little while after, obviously things overflowed. But that has calmed down a lot now. And while the market is still busy, it's, it's nowhere near as busy transaction in terms of transaction numbers as it was back then. So you, you you mentioned that you think solicitors are still taking on too much and complaining about working from home. I, I, I'm not quite sure how that, that works. But you also said that the, the lenders are slow as well. Do you have any idea why they're working so slowly at the moment? Yeah, that that's from what we're told as a as brokers we have sort of access business development managers which we deal with and some obviously we've had relationships for many many years so there's a lot of trust there so you you tend to believe what they say rather than the the general spiel the lenders give out about whatever the service levels are and it's volume it's pure volume people are now coming off and and generally it's remortgage volume so there and and some have, have had four or five times the amount of applications in on any one week that they would they would normally get. So you we're seeing definitely the, the purchase market has slowed down. We can see that by stats coming out uh, being sent over us to us all the time. So that was kind of expected and we could see that anyway. Although the demand is still there. Property is just not on the market. You probably, you guys have probably seen it yourself. I mean, we're all there. Where everybody's still looking, client, every client of mine is still looking on Rightmove, etc. Every day to see what what what's popping up, and there's not a lot. I mean, if you look in your own wherever you live, which is sort of the common thing, just to keep an eye on your property prices, not a lot is certainly coming up in in, in where I live, and hasn't done for a while. And it's the same all over. People have got lots and lots of clients sitting there, and many of them have sold because they don't want to lose their buyer, sitting in rented and waiting. And they're waiting and waiting because they're just not the right property. Or properties are coming up and they're overpriced. So it's it's really, sorry, going back to that, it's really the remortgage market. The remortgage market, people are sitting on standard variable rates or they're very close. I'm getting a lot of calls at the moment saying, ah, Simon, you, we, you know, we, had a really good five-year fixed rate two, three years ago. Can I get another one? Well, yes, you can, but you're going to have to pay a huge early redemption charge. But that, you know, I'm going back 10, 15 years. That was the case back in, I stick my neck out here, guys. I want to say sort of 2004, 2005, where rates were going up again. And it 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 was more cost effective to pay an early redemption charge and lock into another fixed rate, knowing that rates are just going to increase or thinking, expecting rates are going to increase somewhat over the coming years. So therefore, we'll suffer the early redemption. So get back on another another long term fixed rate. So that may happen again. I've not seen it with a client as yet because rates are still historically relatively low. But the the remortgage market is buoyant and uh, that's where all the business is coming. And that's why. All of a sudden, if you think 
a lender or speaking to one particular lender who, who usually expects about 500 applications a day and they had two and a half thousand in one day. So if that's that's just sheer volume and they've got to process those through and someone has to physically as you know, physically, I, I still think the, the, the whole process is antiquated. I was trialing a, uh, an application process that went to immediate, virt virtually immediate offer back in, it was sub 50% loan to value back in 2004, 2005. 50% loan to value, perfect credit. What's the, is that there's an argument there to say that, that some sort of technology should be able to check enough information to make that an option again. Um, why is it taking weeks and weeks? Why does someone have to look at a, an application in that much detail at that loan to value? There's an argument there. Mm. We digress. Yeah, well, yes, no, I mean, you, you've got me thinking about, you know, the banks and part of my brain is almost trying to defend them slightly saying, well, I, I imagine since the financial crisis, etc., they've they've got to be on the ball a lot more given the their penchant for you know, the, the subprime loan that got us into the financial crisis of 2008. But of course, I don't want to defend the banks because what you've you've just brought together two of my favourite subjects. And when I say favourite, I mean, my pet peeves is that is the service levels and, you know, fees. And, you know, I've seen this. So we, we did a, a further advance. We, we kicked off the process in October of last year. And I think the further advance completed around April. I can't remember the exact dates now. So that, that was bad enough. But so service levels and standard variable rates was the two subjects you, you got me thinking about. And the I've had two mortgages come up where they've both, you know, gone into the SVR, the standard variable rates. And on one of those, we paid for evaluation. I know so you, you've dealt with one of them. And actually, I think on both of them, we had to pay for valuation fees. The bank in question took so long and, and they still haven't completed it by the way but they, they've taken so long they then said that we need to to repay for another valuation because the old one had expired and obviously we said well we, we'd provided you with all information on you know day one the only reason that's expired is because it sat with you and you know that's now been bouncing around for you know I'm going to say three months and it's now got to the stage where we're also questioning the fact that because they've taken so long, we're paying the SVR rates. And, you know, I, I think we're on about 8%. We're on, almost on sort of bridging lending terms. I mean, it's so high, as you know, and these are, these are the HMO products. So we're paying probably paying three percentage points higher on an SVR, as well as all the fees. And, and, and I guess, you know, because part of me wants to defend them, but I say, well, okay, if you've got an operation that's going to get two and a half thousand inquiries in a day then um you know you, you've got to create the systems and processes to deal with that because that's your job yeah absolutely they keep the the, the issue with the lenders or the lenders come back to us and say well you know the, we're, we're trying to create systems we're trying to put these things in place it's very rare that a that a lender comes out with a new platform for a broker that that helps us or makes things any easier than it was 10 years ago, very, very few lenders have changed their broker platform where we go on and apply for mortgages on your behalf. Very few of them have changed over the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, maybe the back office has, but in my eyes, the back office has become 
more difficult and you you touched on it there Stuart which was a really good point actually you go back to we've got to remember and we're 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 very good at forgetting about the the banking crash and what happened and people queuing outside Northern Rock to get their money out and things so I do appreciate that but it seems like all common sense has just disappeared out of lending completely so my question for you Simon because obviously you deal with business development managers directly that obviously sit inside these banks what's the current view for them I mean is there a is there a level of a apology apology from them or do you feel like it's well this is this is the way it is deal with it what what sort of sense are you getting from via the bdms in terms of the banking there i mean you've got to remember the, these people are they're they're there to sell the company they're most of them are, are, are very technically good on criteria for each individual lender and as you know lenders will have a vast array of different criteria to meet people's needs Generally speaking, they've got their head in their hands and they're just going, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry. I know I'll do what I can. And I'm sure I'm talking on behalf of pretty much all brokers across the country. We've all got cases that are urgent, that need to get over the line. And you guys would know when, again, I'll go back to when you're buying a property, you then become emotionally involved in it. So it's a, and, and for most people, let's say for, who are not buying buying it on a residential basis, you've got the pressure going from further down the chain. You've got pressure from up the chain. Everybody wants to know where your valuation is. Everybody wants to know why you don't get got, got the offer. The estate agent wonders why you can't exchange within seven days. So we're all going to the BDM and saying, look, I appreciate you've got lots and lots of work. So have we, but we pick up the phone. We will talk to the client. We will say, sorry, we've got you know the, the the service levels are bad, and we're trying to put it. But on a you know a lot of clients don't realise that or want to hear that. Quite frankly, they want to say, "Well, this is important. We're I'm being pushed for exchange next week, and we haven't had a valuation out." And it goes. Unfortunately, you can escalate these things with a lot of lenders. And job is everybody's everyone. Every case is important. Everybody thinks their own application is the most important, and for good reason. Yeah, of course. So. It's very difficult from from their point of view. They're doing all they can. And I I suppose the argument is you can't just, from a bank's point of view, if all of a sudden you have four times as much work as you you had previously, is that an error in their system? Is that processing they need to look at? They can't just employ more people because it takes forever to train train them up and particular underwriters, et cetera. So it's for the... Some BDMs are really, really good and we'll get a hold of it and take it through and literally grab the application and take it to whoever they need to and get these things through. Unfortunately, the bigger, let's just say bigger lenders, it will go into a processing center and uh, you know, good luck with it, really. It's, it's unfortunately, it's, it's as uh, harsh as that. One thing I'm thinking about on this, Simon, is, is how this is benefiting the rise of the developing finance stroke bridging finance because I know some of their rates are starting to come down as well and one thing you you do know you're going to get okay fine you might pay anywhere between 0.7 and 1% per month and entry stroke exit fees but one thing you do know is that you're going to push through a product and a purchase fairly quickly Are, are you seeing anything on your side that sort of demonstrates that more people are gravitating towards development finance for that reason 
really good point there actually the bridging market is is booming there's no doubt about it. a lot of new bridging companies coming on rates are really good and what you tend to have is you'll have someone you can you can ring into call into email into you'll have a direct contact so what do you need from me what do you need from the client we'll get that over today we'll get it up to you today what do you need and get they can get everything done very very quickly because you have a point of contact and i think that's with with anything if you know you can get through to someone you know you can speak to them directly you can talk things through you get things done so much quicker now there is a i'd have to be careful on how quick you can get these things through bridging a lot of historically bridging was right okay i need this by the end of the week and bridging would happen literally that quickly now don't be wrong there will be cases which are ridiculously quick and can happen like that but generally speaking they will take a number of weeks as an absolute minimum they still have to go through a lot of the standard legals still have to get valuations done there's still information that still needs to be provided um, but it is generally quicker and the market is booming certainly on the more and more lenders are then willing to do day one remortgaging so what i mean by that for everybody is that you buy and you may buy via bridge or you may buy via cash a lot of uh, developers landlords portfolio landlords are buying cash um, at auction and so a lot of auction properties coming up at the moment surprisingly enough and then what's they're, they're doing is going we're going to lenders and saying right okay can we remortgage day one or, or as soon as it's purchased so the client knows they've got the, the the property nice and quickly. They don't have to wait for the poor service, which is provided by the lenders at the moment. Hopefully that will improve. And then they, and a lot more lenders are, are looking at that. That's that's becoming big in the marketplace. Yeah, very good. And are there any other products that you've seen come to the market recently that you think are worth just mentioning it for the for the listeners? Self-employed. A question I get asked a lot: self-employed one years accounts or can we rely on just one year's accounts for whatever reason, particularly in COVID? You notice lenders will, in the middle of COVID and just coming out, they were really hot on how did your, how did the company perform? What did it do? How did you cope? Where are all your uh, employees on furlough? They're not asking. They're not so stringent. We're noticing at the moment they're sort of coming back, so which is good, good for the for the borrower. And certainly looking at if you just want to look at one year's accounts, whereas previously the rates, if you only wanted to do that, the rates would shoot up. So you'd, you'd pay circa two, three percent higher than a standard rate. Now, they're, they're you know, they're, they're very competitive. Let's say that, you know, compared to others on the market, if you were having a, like a standard high street rate. So you're not being penalized as much, which. It certainly helps. It's the first time I've seen for a long time that lenders are trying to help the um, uh, the self-employed and actively trying to help the self-employed, which is a good thing because it was certainly heavily weighted towards a, a, a some an employee PAYE. You mentioned some COVID effects there, and uh, not that long ago, we were hearing lots of sort of negative impacts from people and businesses that had bounce back loans and C bills and stuff. How are lenders reacting and, and coping with that sort of element of things these days? 
lenders will generally want they want to know about them, but they're definitely we're definitely seeing a change in attitude, and they're they're appreciating what people have gone through. They're definitely taking on board. That is, I sort of I'm contradicting myself here a little bit, but whereas it's not because it's not an automated process, underwriters are then looking at that and just wanting an explanation. Why? Why was this? And generally speaking, you would you would like to think that we've already looked at the client and see how they're doing, how the business is doing, so we can take a view on it. And then introducing them to the lender, we'll already have the reason behind why and if they were affected by COVID. Most people, you know, I would say that, put the neck on the line there, but most people were affected in somewhere or another. And it was all very easy for an employee, employer, then to put staff on furlough, take all the benefits they could, whether they needed them or not. An awful lot of people we're seeing just took them anyway. And lenders know that. And then they just want to see. So they're, they're doing things like having looking at more bank statements, for example. So send over six, 12 months business bank statements. And then they can see that, oh, right, yeah, actually, they're trading, the, you know, the, the trading figures are really good again. So we can we'll take a view on that one, which common sense lending again. That just makes sense. Of course, that's all you have to do. It gives you a very good picture of what's or more information as to making a, a lending decision. So, yes, that's uh, definitely good going forward. So, so sort of the same question, but with a different focus. How about people who have taken mortgage holidays, particularly investors who who decided to take mortgage holidays during the period? How's that being viewed? Personally, had very, very little issue with it. So um, I haven't seen it coming up on, it doesn't show, okay, put my neck on the line here. But from what I've seen, and we see a credit report on every client comes into us, if they've taken a payment holiday, it doesn't show on their on their credit report. So that is then not that is then not picked up. The lenders, as a whole, will not ask uh, certain questions because if you think something like that, then has to be built into their system. They went through a period of asking that after once the application's gone in, have they taken? Have they? They had general. A lot of lenders then came up with a lot of general questions about COVID. They're not doing that as much now. They're not asking those questions. They're not concerned. They know. Most people, sorry, again, most, a lot of people did take a holiday and for good reason, because it was the unknown. And I think lenders, thankfully, on in this situation have actually said, look, well, you know, most people are in, this, are in the same boat. They took a, a holiday because of you know, the uncertainty going forward. Fine. It's not an issue. And that makes sense. I and mean, if you've not missed a mortgage payment in 10 years, you're just taking a holiday because of this, the, the situation we're in. Why, why should that change your decision? Yep. So changing the subject a little bit, and uh, conscious that we're we're starting to run a bit long, so try try not to uh, ask you too many more questions. But I do, do have a few still, and one is around these gradually increasing interest rates. The Bank of England has increased rates for the last mm, four months in a row. Have I got that right? I don't know. So. Something like that. Anyway, I have to double check, but I think you're round about there. So. What what sort of impact are you seeing from that? You've, we've mentioned already that lenders are increasing the rates, lenders are pulling products sometimes at, at short notice. But for your customers, are you finding that some of them are now 
hitting the point where they they can't get mortgages that they might want and, and things like that? Not yet. I, th- I still think we're we're at the point where because rates are still historically low. I mean, I mean we're noticing on a residential basis, five year fixed rates are north of two and a half percent now, depending on loan to value, of course. But that's sort of a, 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 a general figure, and it, so they're still very very low. I think when they the expectation is certainly within the industry that they'll the rates are going to continue to to rise. I think we would all expect uh, a base rate to be around around two and a half three percent is is a realistic figure. We don't know that, of course, but you know, from the, the what the experts say and the Bank of England's indications are. So therefore, we're then going to be expecting five-year fixed rates to be up around the four and a half, the four, four, five percent mark. I think at that point, people will then think about what they're doing, think about, oh, should you know, am I going to move? Am I going to be able to pay for this? Am I going to be able to, you know, the usual pay for the the living expenses, which of course that's got to be factored in now because general living expenses have, have risen so much, and it and and not hit a lot of people. I don't think they'll hit a lot of people until the winter, and all of a sudden we're going to have these huge great bills, and people think, well, how my my mortgage is likely to go up by I don't know hundreds of pounds a month. So is my gas. So is my electric. So I think that may have a. Uh, an effect on the marketplace but of course it doesn't stop things like remortgaging you only have a fixed rate for two three five sometimes 10 years but they're fairly rare so when they come to remortgage you still have the same issue you can't go backwards you'll still have to have one of these rates and look at them anyway they're not when it's sort of it's kind of the other way around simon actually but where people are, are wanting the rates at the moment because I think the knowledge of the uh, of the person, the uh, clients we have, is a lot better because of communication, social media, whatever. It's all there. It's all straight in front of you. But they're fairly aware that rates are going to continue to grow. So let's get on them now. It's just a case of, well, how much further are they going to go up? Indeed. No, nobody knows for sure. So, say no if you want. But I, I was wondering if I could do a, a sort of quick fire round and i know you can't name specific lenders and i know you can't name specific sort of figures and it will vary for every individual we're not recommending or selling anything specific here yeah but uh, uh, if i if i sort of name a quick scenario can you give me an idea of uh, the kind of interest rate we're currently looking at for, yeah. for that sort of thing yeah so if we're looking at sort of a a first-time buyer get, get, getting into the market with a fairly small deposit and hence High loan to value. What, what sort of rate are they looking at? Uh, two seven, two point seven five, somewhere around. That. Again, it's going to be heavily weighted on deposit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, then. Then a a residential buy to let investor coming in at seventy five percent loan to value, first first or second purchase. So they're not not big portfolio or anything. What, what sort of rate are they looking at? You're probably looking at something slightly higher, two point nine five, somewhere around that that sort of figure at the moment. They're just we're just starting to see those creep over the three percent mark around and about, but you should still get something around about the two point eight, two point nine percent mark at the moment. Five year, I'm looking, I'm talking about five year fixes at the moment because they're they're certainly the most common. 
yeah, good good clarification there on on the fix <laughs> and the fix length. Okay, then so sticking with probably five year fix, stepping up a little bit. So if you're looking at someone who's buying in their own name but they've got a larger portfolio, what, what sort of rates are they they looking at? Uh, probably some something similar. Um, a lot of lenders will will not will not change rates whether they're it's just a one one off or or if they're a portfolio landlord, some will. And they'll make it probably you can probably expect about a quarter percent higher. So I would say you're probably looking at about just over the three percent mark would be expected at the moment. Slightly higher again if it's um I would go uh, probably say about half a percent higher again. So you're looking at three and a half, three point seven five if it's a uh, limited company or limited company HMO. Ah, you've preempted my last, I thought last I would. one. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So that's fantastic. We, we are definitely out of time now, though. Uh, I think it just remains for me to say thank you very, very much, Simon, for sharing all that fantastic knowledge. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they best do that? Jump onto our website, www.jsiassociates.com. All our contact details are on there, all of the team, and myself. Give me a call. Drop me an email anytime. Very happy to uh, uh, to talk to anybody who needs to. Thank you for your time, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Simon. Cool. So it just leaves for me to say, uh, again, a final thank you to Simon for, for joining us and sharing all that fantastic mortgage knowledge. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. If you've got any questions you'd like to point at any of us and we can pass them on to Simon or you can direct them at, at Stuart and myself, please do get in touch either via the contact form on thebusinessofproperty.com, which is also where you can find show notes, or via bizofproperty, that's B-I-Z of property on Twitter. Uh, Stuart and I are are both on there and very happy to, to chat and answer any queries. And we will also join you again next week. 